There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Point nine high FM. This is Soul to Soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Lech Lecha Tov Shin Pei Gimel two thousand and twenty two, and a very very warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you for joining us on High FM this Erev Shabbos afternoon. As always, it is a huge privilege. To be with you, it is a huge privilege to have a few minutes together on a Shabbos to learn some Torah, to get some Chizuk, to perhaps get some insights. We didn't learn. I'm going to be learning some fascinating things today in our first segment. And of course, we'll be talking a little bit about the concept of Avram Avinu and his ability to be the Schooler for people to have children. We'll be talking about that a bit a bit later. So there's so much to listen to, so much to be strengthened by, so much to be inspired by for this beautiful, beautiful Shabbos Kodesh that we're so privileged to have. So the Pasha starts by Shem says to Avram, Go for yourself from your land, from your res, from your relatives, and from your father's house. Now, this is really our introduction to Avraham Avinu. No biography, no family lineage, no prior history at all. Whatever we know about the first of our of our others is from Chazal. Even Moshe Rabbeinu's birth and Yichos and genealogy are recorded. Why not that of the father of our nation? Avram's father was Terach, an idolater who was so committed to all of his pagan beliefs that he informed on his son to the evil Nimrod. Had Hashem not provided a miracle for Avram Avinu, he would have been he would have been burnt in a fiery cauldron. Avram's wife, Sarimenu, was Terach's granddaughter, whom he had raised after the untimely death of her father, Horon. Avram and Sarah grew up in the same house and were raised by an idolater who, for all intents and purposes, is the person from whom the Jewish nation hails. <laughs> Very little to be proud of. Veritably, Terach probably saw the error of his ways, which resulted in his decision to pack up his family and leave or custom, right, with Canaan as his intended destination. He was going to move his base of operations to the Holy Land. He didn't make it. Right? Terach followed the pattern of so many who have noble intentions but are unable to see them through to fruition. Thus, Avram Avinu represents a new page, actually, the first page 
in Jewish history. To record his birth and upbringing would mean to connect him to Terach and his past. Hashem did not immediately designate Avram for the mission that he had of promoting monotheism. He didn't give him any support. Avram had within him a grain of truth which did not permit him to fall prey to all the falsehoods espoused by the idolaters. This seed germinated within him as he sought answers to his many questions. He overcame emotional and ideological obstacles as he weaved his way to higher spiritual levels. When he emerged triumphant from his battles to strengthen his conviction, then Hashem appeared to him and informed him that a great nation would descend from him and that his name would be a blessing. Avram was now ready to pass the ten tests, the Aserinus Yonus, which would temper his spiritual fortitude and render him a light, not only onto the Jewish nation, but onto all of the other nations. This is 11.9. Chai FM, the program is soul to soul. Please stay with us. We're just beginning. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, back to your video. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Lech Lecha, Tov, Shin, Pei, Gimel. So great to be with you again and have some time to learn together, to share something together, to hopefully grow to, together. So let me share with you, and this is going to take us to a, a discussion about the merits that we have to to have children, to Hashem, to build the world, to put foot soldiers in for the army of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So in the Sefer of the Abdur of Naiv Yisrael, he brings what can only be uh, classified as a medrash pulia, as a medrash that seems to have absolutely no comprehension to us. The Pasuk says, in the beginning of Hashem's Bamidbar, Ish al-Tigloi va'isais. We know that when the Jews camped and traveled in the desert, so they had flags. Each of the camps, each of the Shvatim, had a particular flag, a symbol, for their shaven. And it says, Ish al-Tigla, each person by his flag, but Isis with the signs that were on those flags to indicate which shaven it was. So the major says, instead of reading the word Isis, signs, Al-Tigla, Isis, don't read it as Isis, Ela Isis, read it as Isis, as letters. And therefore, can continues the major, this we're really, therefore, Bilam, said when he tried to curse the Jewish nation, what could I curse? Hashem did not curse Yisrael, so what can I curse? And this obviously seems almost mumbo-jumbo, it seems needs some tremendous elucidation. So the Oyev Yisrael explains it based on a statement of the Rami Pano, in the Sefer Asara Mamoros, he says that 
on the, all four of the flags that traveled with each one of the camps, you know, there were four camps, each one had three shvatim in, in the camp. So on the flag of each one of those four uh, uh, camps were the letters that were sort of engraved, the letters of the names of the Ovas, of our forefathers. And he explains, for instance, on the flag of the camp of the Yehuda, which included the Shvatim of Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zvalin. So there they had engraved the letters, the first letters of the names of all the others. So there was an Aleph for Avram, the Yud for Yitzchak, and the Yud for Yaakov. In other words, the letters Aleph, Yud, Yud were, was on the flag of Machane Yehuda. On the flag of Machane Ruvain, which included Ruvain, Shimon, and God. So engraved on, on, on the, that flag was the second letter of the names of the Ovis. So that would be a base for the base of Avram, a Tzadi for the second letter of the word Yitzchak, and an Ayin, the second letter of the word Yaakov. Base Tzadi Ayin. On the flag of the Machane Ephraim, which uh, uh, the third, the third camp, which which included Ephraim, Menashe, and Binyamin, were was inscribed the letters, the third letter of each of the names of the others, which is for Avram it was the Reish, that's the third letter, for Yitzchak it was the Ches, and Yaakov it was the Kuf. Resh, Ches, Kuf. And finally, on the, uh, uh, the flag of Machane Don, which in, included uh, Don, Usher, and, and Naphtali. So then, there were inscribed the last letters of all of the others, which is Avraham Amem, Yitzchak a kuf, and Yaakov obeys. All letters accounted for, except one. You see, because Yitzchak and Yaakov each have four letters each, so that fit very nicely. Avram, on the contrary, though, has five letters. So we took the first three, and we took the last one. The fourth letter, the hey, the, the hey of Avram was left. And that was as the as the Rami Pano, it was it was left floating in the air over all of the machanas, all the camps, and it protected, it acted as like a, a canopy over over Klaiso. Now the this letter hey that was flying in the air uh, provided three tremendous benefits for the Jewish nation. The first one was it protected the Jewish nation from the curses of Bilam Harasha. That was the first bit. The second was to bring down tremendous, tremendous outpouring of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's bracha for the Jewish nation. And the third one was it brought down for us an abundance of the ability to have children. 
as the Pasuk says in, in the end of Bereshus, says, Hey Lachem Zera. This was actually Paro talking, telling the, the, uh, the Egyptians, hey, take some seeds and, and plant the ground. You're my slaves, go plant the ground. But Hey Lachem Zera, in other words to say, from that letter, Hey, Hey Lachem Zera, that letter, Hey, that's the ability for us to have seed, for us to have, for us to have a, a, a children. And therefore, Sarah, Rivka, and Leah, who all have the letter Hey in their name, the last letter of Sarah, last letter of Rivka, last letter of Leah, is all a Hey. Since they had the letter Hey in their name, so they mer- merited to have, to have children. Right? Rachel, who does not have a Hey in her name, she was lacking that letter hey, so she wasn't able to have to have children. And therefore she asked her husband Yaakov Avinu, says, Hine Amosi Bila. Here, take my maidservant whose name is Bila and Boyala, marry her, the Selaid Al Birkai, and she'll literally give birth on my knees. The Ibonegam Onechimena. I'm going to be able to build myself also from her. And the Arizal ex- explains that what was so special about Billa, because Billa, how do you spell the word Billa? Bez, Lamed, Hey, Hey, double Hey. She has two Hey's. And therefore, Rachel was saying that I'll also be able to have children from, from her, from that extra Hey. That, that, she, that she has, I'll be able to have children. From that reason, uh, because since the, since the name of Rachel was missing the letter, the letter He, so there were those that mistakenly wanted to think and say that uh, you should not call a daughter by the name of, of Rachel, because if she doesn't have the hay, she might not be able to, to, to have uh, children. And, and in fact, in the Derech Sicha, it, it brings that, that they asked of Chaim Kanievsky, Zatzal, is that correct? Should one worry and, and not, not call a child Rachel because there's no hay in the name? And Rav Chaim answered, to, to quote him, Divrei Hevel. This is absolute nonsense not to call a, a child, a girl, by the name of, of Rachel. And the, the source for those that thought this was what we just said, that Rachel didn't have children because she was missing this letter, hey. But that's, that's absolute nonsense because we know every single day that there are children born to many, many women who have all sorts of names, particularly Rachel, and they don't have a hey. Right? And uh, even though the Gemara in Shabbos, on, Tuf, on uh, Kufnun Dalit, uh, in other places, it, it's brought that Mar, uh, there was a, 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 a Amaira called Rav Mori Bar Rachel. So we know that that name was used. And in Ovis of Stravnosen, the, 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 it, it talks about Rachel, who was the wife of Rabbi Akiva. So it is a used name, it is a, a common name, 
and it's definitely a name that can be given. And in fact, we can we can actually point point out that uh, it's brought. Uh, Rav Yaakov Hillel, in fact, uh, brings down regarding the you know giving names to children, and at the end he says he brings uh, a testimony from the great uh, Makubal Rav Salomon Movtsi Zatzal, who used to say that when uh, uh, he had his first daughter, and they wanted to know what, what name they should use in order to, to give her the, the correct, the correct uh, name, that his sack was to use the, the name of, of, uh, of uh, you know, he made, actually made a list of all the names that have a beautiful and pure source from, uh, from all over uh, Tanakh and, and what their connotations are and the, the first name on the list was the name Rachel and he in fact named his oldest daughter Rachel we'll be back in a moment this is 11.9 FM. the program is Soul to Soul please stay with us this is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb only on 101.9 High FM 101.9 Chai Yavim, Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Lech Lecha, Tav, Shin, Pei, Gimel. We are talking about names. Interesting topic. And we said that the names of all of our avot, of our forefathers, were inscribed on the flags of the camps of the Jewish nation when they traveled, right? Uh, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So four letters one on each of the four flags. Our problem was that Avram has five letters, and therefore the hay was left was left out. The difficulty is why, in fact, why was the letter hay left out? Really, the hay was the fourth letter in the same way as uh, in the tribe of Dun. So the fourth letter of Yitzchak's name was used, the Kuf. The fourth letter of Yaakov's name was used, the Beis. So how come in the uh, in using the name Avram, they did not use the fourth letter and use the Hey, and then just leave the Mem, which was the last letter? Why was not that not the letter that was left that was left uh, uh, over, right? So there really there really should have been. The letter, uh, hey, kuf beis, rather than mem kuf beis. The reason they didn't is because the letters hey kuf beis are, if you turn them around, the letters kuf beis hey, which is kavo. Kavo is one of the expressions we see, especially by Bilam, that is a, a word that means to to curse. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not want that we should use the letters that imply even a curse on the flags of the Jewish nation. And therefore, he, he skipped the letter He and swapped and rather put the letter Mem in place of the letter He. And on the contrary, that then turned into a bracha because from that letter, hey, that was sort of flying 
around the camps, we, we got this tremendous, tremendous, tremendous influence of to be able to have, to be able to have children. And that's what that medrash that we began actually, actually means. It says, Ish al-tigloi, each person with his flag, be'oisais, and we said, don't read it as oisais signs, but rather oisais letters. And the understanding is that those letters of the names of the others, which were engraved on, on the flags, and Bilam saw that when it came to the to the camp of, of Dun, where HaKadosh Baruch actually changed the order of the letters. And instead of using the hay of Avram, he rather took the mem and, and, and put that instead of the, the ois hay in order that you sh- we shouldn't have the letters of kuf beis hay, which means to, to curse. And, and therefore, Bilam says, Ay, my koiv. How can I curse them? Like Habaikah Hashem didn't even put the word curse on their on their on their flags. Because since HaKadosh Baruch Hu changed the order that, uh, that there shouldn't be the letters Kuf Beis and Hay together on, on the flags, how can I? How can says how am I going to be able to curse the Jewish na- nation? That's the explanation of the Ram Nipana. And what we see from the Ampana, what we see from the from the Oy of Israel, that when Avram's name was changed, it wasn't a six partial, from Avram to Avraham, and we added the letter Hey to it to his name. So there was this tremendous, tremendous, tremendous skula for the Jewish nation that Avram Ovinu would be able himself to 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 give birth, but not only he. But all his descendants often would also have this tremendous school of being able to have, to have a, a, a children. And therefore, now we can understand, perhaps a little bit, that it's, uh, we know that Eretz Yisrael, particularly, there's a special, special school there to be, able to, have, to be able to have children in that place. In fact, it's written... Uh, the Yismach Moshe uh, brings it down that since the mazel of of uh, of because of uh, Klaiso really Klaiso is meant to be a very small nation and therefore from the side of our mazel which how you want to translate that we're not really able to grow and and to become very numerous and therefore. We have to sort of go out of mazel of, of our constellations of any of the normal sort of systems of, of, of this earth. And how do we do that? By people coming to Eretz Yisrael, which is a place that's completely above nature and above all the constellations. There we're able to merit to have, to have children. In fact, the Chasim Seifer in Pashas Vayetze brings down that the, the tefillah that, uh, that is offered up for someone to be blessed with children is, is more acceptable in, in, Eretz, in Eretz Israel because we know the, the Gemara in Tainus tells us that the key of, of childbirth is in the hands of, of our Kaddish Baruch Hu, 
and in not in the hands of any other malach. Therefore, Eretz Yisrael, which is under the complete and total domination and control of Av HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so the tefillah there for children is even more helpful and more beneficial than the tefillah in, in, in Chutzlaretz, which also has other influences of other malachim involved. It's not just directly HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So based on what we're saying, that Am Yisrael merits to have children in the schus of this letter hey of Avram Avinu. And by Avram Avinu, the, the bracha was fulfilled, the bracha that we have in the beginning of our parasha, the I'm going to make you into a great nation. And that was fulfilled only in Eretz, in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, it's, it's built into the DNA, into the, into the very nature of Eretz Yisrael, that there should be the schooler to be able to have children that, uh, to fulfill this promise of Avram Avinu, who would be the sort of the, the progenitor of, of, of all the children of Christ. If so, perhaps we can begin to understand a, a medrash, again in Bereshit Rabbah, regarding the name Yerushalayim. It says, Avram, it says in next stage, Pasha, Avram called the place where he did the Akedah, which was the Mokom of the Beis HaMikdash, called it Yireh, fear. Shinema, as the Pesach says, Vayikra Avram, Shem HaMokom Ahu Hashem Yireh. Avram Avinu called the name of that place, Hashem will see. Right? Uh, Shem called the name of, of the, the place of the Beis HaMikdash, Sholem. As it says, Umalchitzedek Melech Sholem. So we have Avram Avinu calling it Yira, Yud Reish Alefei. We have Shem calling it Sholem, Shin Lamed Mem. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm going to call it Yira in the same way as Avram called it. And, right, and, uh, and but the problem is that. Uh, because Avram was such a great, great tzaddik, then, but then shame, if I call it just Yira, then shame, who's also a great person, is going to complain. And if I call it Shalem, right, in order to sort of uh, honor uh, a shame who calls it that, then Avram, who's a great tzaddik, is going to, is going to complain. What am I going to do? I'm going to call it Yerushalayim. Right? I'm going to combine the, the names both of them gave it and call the city by both of them. Yira Shalem or Yeru Shalem. The two words together. Now, Taisvis in Masechus Tainus on Daftisvav brings this Medrash and adds to it a very interesting piece. He says, therefore, we don't put a Yud in the word Yeru Shalem. We spell it Yud, Reish, Vav, Shin, Lamed, Mem. There's no Yud between the Lamed and, and the Mem. Why? Because the word it's that's be, that it's being named after is Shalem. Shalem didn't have a Yud. In other words, throughout all of Tanakh, you always find that the city is referred to as Yerushalayim, missing that, that Yud, 
in order that it should fit with the, with the source of its naming, which was given, that that part of the name was given by, by, by shame. However, Rabbeinu B'chaya, in Parshas Chukas, he points out that there are five places in Tanakh where it does say Yerushalayim with the letter He, which is kind of a, a, a plural uh, expression, like Einayim, right? When you have two, two Yuds, it's eyes or Oznayim. You add an extra Yud to indicate and hint to that there is Yerushalayim down here, which Gemara tells us is, 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 is corresponds to the Yerushalayim uh, uh, above. And perhaps we, based on what we're saying now, we can give a reason why was it specifically five times that it's mentioned Yerushalayim full in, in Tanakh. Because the Pasuk tells us that Yerushalayim is also an Akara. Yerushalayim is barren. As the Pasuk says, Rani Akara Loyalada. She's barren. She hasn't given birth. And therefore, uh, uh, Yushalayim is written missing without the letter Yud. Yud is, stands for Yochid, an individual, to teach us that she is all alone. She doesn't have any children. There's no continuity to Yerushalayim. However, there are five times where Yerushalayim is mentioned with Eyud. That hints five times is this letter He, which is that He, which is the of a five, because the letter He of Avram Ovinu is going to stand as a merit for Yerushalayim that it's going to be Zeche to have, to, have, uh, to have children. And there's a, uh, a Chiddush brought by the, uh, the Minchas Chinuch. Um, there's a Pasuk in, in Masha's Mishpatim, which says, Loisia Mishakela Va'akara Biyatzecha. There shall not be any barren women in your land. Esmispar Yomecha Amale. The full allocation of your days I will, I will fill. And it, it would seem, what does it mean that uh, in your land. So the Yalkut Shemani in Tehillim explains, based on the Pasuk, where we say, that I will establish the, the barren one in her house. And the major says that there were seven women who were, who were barren. Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Hannah, right? Tzilpoinus, who was the wife of Manoyach, right? Shimshin's parents. And the Isha Hashunamis, who we're going to read about in next week's Avtoyah with Elisha. And Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is the seventh Akara, as the Pasuk says, Roni Akara Loyalada. So these seven women 
who are all, our chorus are all barren, they correspond each to one of the days of, of the weeks. And the, the barrenness of Yushalayim corresponds, the seventh one corresponds to, to Shabbos. Now, all the other six barren women were eventually remembered, and they had, they had children. Only the seventh one, only Yushalayim, still remains barren and hasn't had children. If, the, if, if, that's, if that's so, so then the seven days of the week have not yet been filled. And that's what the Pesach says. There's not going to be a barren in your, your land, in your land specifically. In other words, even Yushalayim is not going to be barren. And, and the moment Yushalayim is not barren is able to bear, therefore, then then all the seven days of the week which correspond to these seven barren women will be, will be, will be filled. And, and the Devichayim from Tzans adds on that the word Amale, if you take the four letters, the four letters of the word Amale, Aleph, Mem, Lamed, Aleph, the, it's an acronym for Oimer Litzion Malach Elokoyach. Yushlaim will, will be recognized that HaKadosh Baruch Hu dominates the world. And we can explain that Shabbos we know Shabbos is me'ain olam haba. Shabbos is a little, little bit of an inkling, a little bit of a taste of what olam haba is like, right? And it has the koyach. Shabbos has this incredible uh, energy to bring koyach from from shemayim and 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 to do things that are completely, completely above above nature. Right? Yishalayim in its very nature is, is yes, it's a barren city. In order that it should merit to have children, we need the Kayach of Shabbos Kodesh, which is, that is also completely Lamalimanateva. And therefore we find that there's a connection between the concept of Shabbos and the remembering of, of women who are, who are barren, as in fact it's brought in, in the Sefer Tfil Lamoyshe, quoting the, the Arizal, that this special skula for having children is that a person should be very, very careful, not only himself, but he should also warn other people to take in Shabbos early. We always talk about you know, the, the, the times of accepting Shabbos. We'll do it in our next, in our next segment. A person has to be so, so careful to bring in Shabbos as early as possible, certainly before the 18-minute uh, deadline, to make Shabbos extend Shabbos into, into Friday. And on the other end also, to not be so quick to take out Shabbos. So if Shabbos takes a few minutes longer, and instead of uh, uh, dominating uh, uh, Myra at uh, 658, we're going to dominate at 702. Big, big deal. Right? In fact, the Mishnah Brewer brings in Simon Rational involved that those who are, who are, uh, make a big effort to make sure that the shops are closed in plenty of time before Shabbos. And the, uh, the woman who's very careful to light her candles early before Shabbos 
So his language is Yisku Avur Zeh. They'll merit through this. Those who always strengthen themselves in this mitzvah, they'll merit children who are, who are renowned amongst, amongst the Klaisal, as the Sharetzion brings. In the, in the Mishnah Lochus, he wants to try to explain this, this skula that is brought in the name of uh, Rav Chaim Tzans, that... Uh, Setting up, as we have in setting up an Erev in a town, in an area, is also a, a skula for women to be able to have, to have children. And he explains that, that since that Shmira Shabbos, right, we know, brings Mashiach closer, and the bringing of Mashiach is, of course, uh, the Gemara says that Mashiach will only come there's a place called Guf where all neshamas that haven't yet come to this world wait and Mashiach can't come until all those neshamas have been dispensed and done time in, in, this, in this world and therefore it's essential that all those people who are never who are barren who don't have children right that they should also be able to give birth so that all those neshamas can be used and therefore, uh, uh, we want to increase the, the, the population, and that will, of course, help the, 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 to, to make the gula come much faster. And therefore, setting up an Erev, which is a tremendous, tremendous addition and enhancement to the Shmira of Shabbos, helps tremendously for, for those women who don't yet have, have children. Yeah? But if we would follow... What we're, what we're saying, then we can say that the Shabbos also raises a person to such a high level of above, above nature, and, and therefore, uh, even, uh, even if on a normal, natural level, he really isn't able to have children, but through the Zechus of Shabbos Kodesh, there's the Shem, all those who don't have children will be Zechah, to have to have children. This is one one point nine. Chai FM. The program is soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one hundred one point nine Chai FM. One one point nine Chai FM. This is soul to soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Lech Lecha Tov Shin Pei Gimel. And a warm welcome to our just those who are just joining us now. And of course, amazing, amazing gratitude to those who are sticking with us and perhaps even listening to the entire show. If such a thing is possible, and I really, really appreciate that. As we always do at this point on the show, to give you the important times and details you might need for this coming Shabbos. So, this afternoon, the earliest time to light your Shabbos candles this afternoon will be at four minutes past five. Five oh four is the earliest time you can light candles. And what a great opportunity to really get into Shabbos early. It's a whole sort of hour. It's still broad daylight, yes. At 5.04, it's still broad daylight, but still, it's already the energy of Shabbos is already there. The, the, the pull, the magnetic pull 
of Shabbos already begins to nudge at our, at our heartstrings at that time. And if you can do it, if things are all ready, come on, take the plunge, light those candles, declare that this is Shabbos, and let's add an extra hour of Shabbos into our, into our lives. So 5.04 is the earliest candlelighting time. The latest candlelighting time this afternoon is at 6.08, eight minutes past Six is the latest time for lighting candles. In other words, by then everything has to be organized. The food's got to be on the <clears throat> on the plot, on the hot tray, wherever you keep it warm. The house has got to be organized. We should be dressed, and of course, for those going to shul, you already should be in shul at that at that time. So you can daven mincha together with with a minion. Don't let the Sahara Keep telling you, come on, you have more time. You have time. You don't have to push. Don't rush so much. And then you end up looking at the watch and it's disastrously late. Don't let it happen. Let's make sure that our Shabbos is all calm, all under control and ready to go long before 6.008. Sunset is then at 6.26, 26 minutes past 6. That's absolutely the latest time if you're really, really uh, in sort of stuck in traffic or in some kind of an emergency. One has those minutes, but again, as I always say, it's not to be relied on as a first instance. Only in extreme emergencies can one rely on those 18, on those 18 minutes. So, Shia is at 626. If you want to uh, be able to daven mayrev and not have to repeat the Shema again, because as you know, we have to say Krishna in order to fulfill the mitzvah of reciting Shema at night. At night, we have to say the Shema, it's a Torah mitzvah to recite the Shema every night. So we have to wait till it's actually night, which happens approximately 18 minutes after sunset, which is about 6.44. Anytime after that, you can Davin Mayrev, and then get stuck into a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos, wonderful meal, some yummy food, and some wonderful company, a little bit of singing maybe, and some words of, of Torah, and just chat about the week, and how everyone's experiences and feelings and stuff. It's such a great time to just sit together as a family, maybe with some friends around, and really, really kind of sink into the beauty, into the delicious ambiance of of a Shabbos, of a Shabbos Kodesh. Tomorrow, we lay in Pasha's Lech Lecha, the third Pasha of, of the Torah. We've already sort of advanced 2,000 years into history in the first two Pashas, and now we're going to focus on the important things, on our Avot, on Avram, and, and the beginning of his adventures as he goes to, to, to Israel. The Haftarah is the normal Haftarah for Pasha's Lech Lecha, and the Shabbos proceeds beautifully, swimmingly long. It's getting a bit longer. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at exactly 7 o'clock. Exactly 7 o'clock is the end of Shabbos. You have a plenty long day to do all the wonderful things you might enjoy doing on Shabbos. Read something, sleep a bit, socialize, have a walk, whatever it might, whatever it might be. There's time for, for all, for all of, of that. We are dealing with the introduction to the different types of activities that are forbidden on, on, on Shabbos. And as we already learnt, so there's a special rule 
special principle that applies to the laws of Shabbos. And that is, the Torah forbade on Shabbos what's called Meleches Machshevis, which which means it has to be a malacha that has to be done with forethought, with planning, with intention of how one's going to do it and what one intends to do. One has to have a plan, one has to have an idea of what you want to accomplish, where they design it, and of, of how one's going to go about implementing that, that malacha. And therefore, again, this uh, uh, arose a, a, a kind of an argument between the sages of, of our Talmud, of our Mishnah, what is the, the halacha, what's going to be the law if a person intended to do a particular activity, the activity itself is an activity that's forbidden to be done on Shabbos, but he didn't do it for the same purpose that it was done. Remember, all of our malachas that are forbidden on Shabbos are learned from activities that were done in the construction and perhaps the implementation of, of the Mishkan, of the traveling tabernacle that went with the Jews in the, in the desert. And everything they did was for a particular purpose. And the activities that are forbidden on Shabbos are, 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 are learned from that and mimic those activities and those things that were done for the construction of the Mishkan, those are the activities that become forbidden on, on Shabbos. But the, the nub is that they have to be done for the same purpose that those activities were done in, in the Mishkan. So what happens if one did the same activity as was done then, but for a completely different purpose? Let's take for uh, uh, example. Uh, you, there is a fire. I made a fire because I need coals. I want I want the, the coals. So therefore, I'm now going to come and extinguish the fire. Extinguishing fire is a forbidden activity on Shabbos. It's one of the 39 lachas. But uh, it's forbidden because I'm doing it for the purpose of making coals. That's what how it was done in the Mishkan. Right? Or um you know, I I, I or I'm I'm kind of a, a, a lighting a wick, whatever it is, because afterwards I wanted to be able to light light very, very well. So uh, in in that way, the extinction of the fire has a very direct purpose. I'll have coals. I'm going to have a wick that's already been lit and it's going to be easier to, to light. So the very activity I did has an essential purpose to it. But let's say a person does the act of putting out a fire because he doesn't want to waste the oil. Not because he wants coals. He doesn't want to waste the oil. Or he wants dark. He wants to be able to sleep, let's say. And the light is bothering him. So he wants to turn off the flame so that he'll have dark and be able to sleep. Now, he did the act of extinguishing a fire, but uh, he didn't do it for the normal purpose. The normal purpose of extinguishing a fire would be to make coals. 
I am putting out a fire for a completely different reason, because I don't want that fire to continue burning for whatever reason. So I did the malach, I did the activity, but not for the prescribed purpose that that activity was done in the Mishkan. So there we have an argument in the Gemara, what is the halacha? The opinion of Rabbi Shimon is that since that this malach, although you did the same activity as the act forbidden in the Mishkan, but you did it for a different purpose, so it's only forbidden by rabbinical law. Biblically, it will be it will be permitted. Only a chazal, only our rabbis have have forbidden it. That's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Uh, the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda is no that even where your purpose and your intention doing the malacha is not the same as the reason why it was done in the Mishkan, but since the activity that you did was the same, you, in both cases, you intended, let's say, to extinguish a, a fire, even though your reasoning was different, so you did an activity, an act, and in so doing, you violated a prohibition on the Torah because extinguishing the fire is one of the 39 uh, activities. Right? The fact that this wasn't I didn't do it for the same reason as the Torah, as they did in the Mishkan. That doesn't make, make a difference. We're going to come back with some closing remarks in a moment. This is 101.9. Chai FM, the program is Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 21.9 Chai Avem Sol to Sol back on your radio air of Shabbos Kedish Parshas Lech Lechotov Shin Pei Gimel thank you so much for staying with us we're talking about the concept of a Melocha Sh'enet Tzrich Legufa a Melocha that was done and it was done the same way it was done perhaps in the Mishkan but for a different purpose so we gave an example we'll give another one if someone let's say digs a pit in order to make a foundation let's say for his house, so he violates the malacha of building a bayna on Shabbos. Right? What about if I dig a pit in order to plant a tree? You violate the malacha of chayrish, of plowing on Shabbos. Right? In other words, uh, uh, whether, uh, what happens if you dug a hole because you need the earth and that's why you're digging a hole in the ground. So you're doing the act of digging, of, of digging, but I don't need it for the purpose. I don't need it for the hole at all. I just want the earth that's there. So again, according to Rav Shimon, since your intention was to remove the earth from the ground and not to dig the hole, you don't care about the hole. Therefore, you did not violate the Torah prohibition, but only a rabbinic prohibition. According to Rabbi Yehuda, since at the end of the day, you intended and you performed that intention to make a, a hole in the ground, right? you violate the Torah iser of, of, uh, of building or, or, or plowing on, on Shabbos. Now, even though 
everyone agrees, whether it's a Torah prohibition or rabbinic prohibition, that it's forbidden to do that type of activity. But nevertheless, there's a discussion that's a, that's very, very fundamental over here because if we say that, like Rav Shimon, that the, the, this activity is only forbidden under rabbinic law, so in certain situations, we would be allowed to permit it. And if it's forbidden from Torah law, then in no situation are we ever going to be uh, uh, allowed to permit it. Practically speaking, most of the most of the uh, Rishonim uh, uh, decides that they, they that the Malacha She'enet Tzurika is forbidden only by rabbinic, rabbinic, rabbinic law. But since there are stricter opinions, let's say the Rambam, who says in fact that Malacha She'enet Tzurika is a biblical uh, uh, pro- prohibition, and in addition to that, the uh, the actual difference between this malach of Enetzirch Lagufa and that which is forbidden from the Torah is only in the intention of why you're doing, but the activity is the same. So bottom line is that if one does a malach activity, no matter what his intention is, it's considered much stricter even than most rabbinic prohibitions on, on, on Shabbos. There's lots more to say on the topic, but of course the clock is always against us. And therefore, just a moment to wish all of you, first of all, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for spending your time with us on Erev Shabbos afternoon to hopefully be inspired, hopefully take something from our show with you into the Shabbos and at this juncture, just to thank all of our radio audience and wish everyone, man, woman and child, anyone within the sound of my voice a beautiful, geschmackte good Shabbos.